dream that one day, no matter how long it may take us, as long as we have faith in our cause and uh, an unconquerable willpower, knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own. This is a time of challenge to our interest and our values. And it's a time to test our wisdom and our skills. This will not be a campaign of half measures. And we will accept no outcome but victory. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. Read my lips. We will respond forcefully. Hey guys, thanks for listening hey, in today. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I think you mean everyone. Oh, so sorry. I need to be more inclusive. Thank you. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening to the podcast today. I'm Kevin. And I'm Brian. And we hope you enjoy. Bite of puppy chow. Then some whiskey. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> and we're live. We're live. Episode 28. So, so no, wasn't 28 just... No. no, we just did 27. Okay. This is 28. So this is the second time yeah. where you just start rolling and you don't do the, we're, we're live. Yeah. So I have no idea. So when the audience is, you are listening and you yeah. hear me go, we're live. I'm Ron Burgundy. This like, is a question? <laughs> is it a question? That's why. Live? Yeah. Well, I just wanted everyone to hear you say like, I just had a sip of whiskey and then some puppy chow. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing a little special edition tonight, you guys, because there was a lot to cover and we really want to try to keep our episodes at about 45 minutes-ish. Yeah, 45, 45 minutes to an hour. hour. Yeah. And we just had a lot to say in the last one, um, which hopefully if you listen, you've listened to by the time this goes up, because this will be going up on Friday the 30th? Yeah. Nice. Um, so what are we going to focus on here, Brian? We're talking about the SCOTUS. Yeah. We're talking about that Supreme Court with extra sour cream and guac. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing we're talking about, since we're having a glass of bourbon, and yes. it's, it's, don't worry, it's our first glass, and we've only had a sip to cheers. Yeah. But where does bourbon come from? And that is Kentucky. And the person that has had the biggest impact on the federal court system in the last 20 years is from Kentucky. McConnell, the representative, the senator from Kentucky. He's been in Congress for a long time. Well, it's been what, like 27 years or something? Well, yeah, because he saw Bork. Right. Bork was his first year. Yeah, when they that were was trying Reagan, to... so it's even yeah. longer than that. That was 87? Yeah. So... That was the year I was born. Oh, you're so old. I, I am. was born Jesus in 86. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. there's a story to be told here. Yeah. Um, well, and you got, was... really, you got really into this because you were watching that yeah. front line... Uh, from PBS. I, guys, if you don't know by now, I'm sure you do. I love PBS. I love that you've fallen in love with PBS. It's just so good. Um, and it's, it's very, I think that is pretty central on all views. Um, but they did a really cool frontline special about the Supreme court and they really focused on the last one that I watched on Mitch McConnell's role. It is Mitch, right? Yeah, Mitch McConnell. Yeah, Mitch McConnell. Um, he on came his to role. service in 77. Did he really? Yeah. When was Bork? I thought Bork was 87. Bork was in the 87. Okay. 87. Um, what was Bork's first name? Robert? 
Oh, wait, hold on. He won a second term in 90. So he started his uh, political career in 77. Yeah. But he won the Senate seat in 84. Okay. So he was, he was a junior senator. Yeah. Essentially, like he had just gotten into the Senate. Right. And that was his first um, voting on the SCOTUS. Right. Um, and I don't actually think he got to vote. I don't think he was on the um, well the committee, but. Yeah, the confirmation he was a part of. Right. Every, yeah, all the senators. Um. But what, what was Bork's first name? Was uh, it, I think it's Robert Bork. I just want to get this down. Um, Robert Bork, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, he was Reagan's um, nominee for the Supreme Court. And again, I believe it was in 87. It was. Um, super conservative. If you guys haven't caught on now. The oh, he just... was nominated in 81. Really? That's what it says. Bork was? He was that could be confirmed with a unanimous consent vote. But that was that. Oh, that was before. For his, yeah, uh, it was eighty seven because he was an appellate court judge before. Yeah, that. in eighty seven, President Ronald Reagan nominated Bork yeah. to the U.S. Look Supreme at me court. go, guys! I Look got my facts down. Um, but so he gets elected, or not elected? I'm sorry, he gets nominated by Reagan again. Like I was saying before, conservative president, conservative nominee, liberal president, liberal nominee. But Bork was a little bit different. He was ultra conservative we're yeah. talking like maybe taking away like civil rights um yeah there's worries about segregation segrega- yeah, yeah yeah um basically like um repealing civil rights right right gay acts, rights for sure yeah. all that kind of stuff yeah. and so that was huge um and so basically the call comes in to the uh senate floor and mr kennedy not john f but teddy ted, ted kennedy uh he gets the call and he immediately says to his demo, uh, Democrat uh, cohorts, we need to block this nomination. Yeah. Good decision, bad decision. Because it kind of starts this fire. So Bork gets, I mean, they hammer him. Um, his responses are really terrible. Um, it was a similar, not quite as awful, but a similar showing in terms of the animosity between the two sides is like the Kavanaugh hearings, right. in my opinion. I would say yeah, the anima- animosity for sure. Yeah. Not handled the same, but definitely, no, definitely no, no. not. Um, yeah, Bork was way more controlled and yeah. composed. Um, yes, yes. Than Kavanaugh. Yes, cer- certainly, certainly. Um, but it starts out this, it basically kind of lights a fire under McConnell. It gets him really revved up, and he basically like vows then and there that he is going to then do this whenever he pleases. So next time somebody comes into town that he doesn't like, they're going to stop the nomination. Um, and you know, then you get Clarence Thomas, Thomas after that. And then that was an, that was a big, uh, McConnell thing too, helping him get pushed through even with the, um, what's your name? Anita Hill. Anita Hill. Thank you. Yeah. Um, even with everything with that. Um, and if you want to talk about, ultra similarities between Kavanaugh and another hearing, you can see Clarence Thomas's hearing. Yeah. I mean, I you mean, can, you can go back and see all these. Oh yeah. It's hearings. on PBS. It's in the PBS thing. They do like almost oh, the full yeah, hearing. Oh yeah. You wonderful. can watch the full thing too. Oh, I didn't great. watch the full thing. I watched the highlight reel. Cause obviously it's like hours of footage. Yeah. Um, but you see as soon as, you know, he basically calls out the Democrats in the Senate, which it's, it was actually run by Biden. Yeah. It's so funny seeing all of this come full circle. Oh, I know. And that's, before we continue on, something about politics and that people need to understand, it, it's become kind of this cliche, like, 
you know, Obama had mentioned it in passing, like elections have consequences. And now Trump uses it as a rallying cry. Elections have consequences and all that. And it really does affect us long-term. And that's why I've become so passionate about politics. And like, I, I think you're sim of the similar mindset, Kevin, where politics matter, not oh, because yeah. it's just interesting, but like this affects us long-term and things come full circle. Right. So yeah. it's very much like the saying, like if we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. Yeah. I think that is ultra relevant yes. or prevalent, uh, yeah. relevant, relevant, relevant. Yeah. Words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it comes to politics, dude, when it comes to who you vote for, this yeah. is why it's so important. Um, because, you know, we see history repeat itself, yeah. you know, in all forms of government over and over and over again. Um, so Clarence Thomas gets, Thomas gets through. Um, he's not a very well-liked judge, but he kind of passes with no problem. And I think a lot of that had to do with, unfortunately, I think a lot of that had to do with his race. Yeah, because like he was they, the second. They, yeah, because he came right after Bork. Yeah, and well, Thur Thurgood Marshall was the first black Correct. Supreme Court justice. Right. And if we look back through time, like Thurgood right. Marshall was an incredible human being, absolutely, and, and absolutely tremendous absolutely. for the civil rights movement. And and that's who Clarence Thomas replaced. Well, yeah, he was he was the next uh, black uh, Supreme Court justice. But when when Bork was, you know, going through, you and I were talking about like, oh. There was probably this element of the Democrats said, well, this guy's a segregationist. Right. Well, the Republicans put up an extremely conservative right. black justice. You can't be like, well, oh, he's going to be a segregationist. Like you and can't. You can, yeah, do you can. That. You can listen back to the, the difference between Bork and Clarence Thomas, how they started. Yeah. Because when they started that interview with Bork, it was rough from the bat for him. Um, with Clarence Thomas, they started out was very friendly, very like, hey, until the Anita Hill thing came out. I mean, it was clear sailing for him. Mm -hmm. um, but where we're what we're getting at is here is this: this with the start of Clarence Thomas, you really see this shift. You start yeah. to see a difference in a way that things are hand handled on, like basically shoving justices in. Yeah, um, and it's and it's really kind of the ringleader is Mitch McConnell. Yeah, his whole legacy as a senator is based on his ability to shovel in extremely conservative justices and and keep out liberal ones yeah and and th there's an element kevin and i were talking before like obviously i'm very liberal i'm very left um and he's centrist but even i i think there needs to be some conservative justices because there needs to be this balance especially when it comes to you know interpreting the constitution and inter interpreting law and there needs to be people advocating for both sides so we right. really get a well-rounded decision. Now, I think a more liberal court system usually goes in favor of the people, which I'm a fan of, yeah. whereas conservative court systems generally go against uh, people and, and rights. So, But sometimes you don't want to give too much right. um, to the people, right? So I one do of big, That's one of big, Bork's big mistakes, too, is that he... Uh, when asked why do you want this seat after being after going through this you know hellacious uh, confirmation hearing, like why do you want this? And his answer was, it would be an intellectual feast. Instead of like, oh, um, you know, I want to do right by the people. I want to be looking out for their 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 um, well being and things like that. He goes with that line, which like pretty much sank his ship right then and there. Yeah, or was the nail on the coffin, anyways. Yeah, and. 
you know, I, I understand the whole Borg thing. You know, it, it wasn't like justices were automatically approved. Right. It didn't have to be that way. It was very... Um, but there was a lot of bipartisanship. Right. For instance, right. uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was almost unanimous. Oh, I think yeah. there were like three senators that voted against her. Right. But so like it was like 97 to 3. I, I don't know if I'm yeah. misquoting that. But the idea generally was as long as it didn't tilt the court too right. far one way or the other, like, oh, yeah, there's five conservative or, oh, there's five yeah. liberal – it wasn't going six to three, seven to two or any, right. you know, that's when you needed to start pulling back. Yeah. Yeah. You start to see that balance go away. Yeah. And, you know, Clarence Thomas, I think one of the biggest things, and, and this is a criticism of him, is he doesn't even ask questions during oral arguments. Right. A lot of times he just votes on how he feels about things. Yeah. Um, like he literally, I think it was like he went a decade or something without even asking a single question during oral arguments. Which Jeez. is impressive, um, and in the worst way. Like, yeah. how can you be so, you know, n- uninvolved in the process? Right. That's your job. Yeah. Like Antonin Scalia, I disagree with vehemently, and we were talking about this. Like, but I respect him as a conservative, and there's a reason Ruth Bader Ginsburg and him were friends. Like, they could disagree politically, but you know, there was a respect in how they interpreted the law. Uh, whereas with Clarence Thomas, I don't have that. And right. um, similar to, you know, with Kavanaugh, like I I have a, a great distaste for him. Uh, Gorsuch is way too conservative for me, but I, I think there's a level of respect that I have for him in terms of his ability to kind of communicate his his dissents or his majority opinions. Um, and we just saw Kavanaugh's, which we can get to a little bit later because we're going to focus on the SCOTUS and, and its evolution under the McConnell era. But um, Kavanaugh just had a ruling and it was inept, to say the least. So, um, you know, we, we look at McConnell and his whole approach has been to shape the Supreme Court, right? And he's been able to do that under, you know, Republican-controlled Senates. And that's like... As we go into the next election, you know, one of the big things is, will the Democrats take over the Senate? And now, and now McConnell no longer has that power. So, you know, I, I think McConnell has done this in a very, um, it, it's been legal and constitutional, mm-hmm. but he has trampled on a lot of precedent. Yeah, and you, but you, and actually, one thing you see, or at least I saw in these interviews, was like. Every single senator that they talked to, whether it was um, someone who's no longer a senator uh, or somebody who was new, they all say the same thing. He is a tactician, and he is like really the best in the business when it comes to pushing through what he wants and blocking what he doesn't, which is kind of a scary thing to me. Um, obviously, the big thing here is what because what his ultimate goal is is to solidify this ultra conservative Supreme court. Right. And that's easy to do because each Supreme court justice once actually, you know, sworn in is there for life. Yeah. There's no term limit. Yeah. So you look at like Clarence Thomas, he's still on the Supreme court. Oh, sure. We're talking 87 until now. Yeah. That's a lot of fucking years. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when you get somebody in, you know, Gorsuch isn't young, but he's like, what? 50s, well, 60s. But see, that's the thing. These last three justices, Gorsuch, yeah. Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. Amy Coney Barrett's in her 40s. 
Right. You know, she's got a solid 40 years. Yeah. And you know, she's a healthy 40. So, right. Or in her 40s. So the idea here is they're doing this on purpose to maintain control. And the, and the idea here is, and it's, it's, you know, Sun Tzu, like, talks about you know respecting your enemy right mm-hmm. yeah i know and he's i, on the, he's I re- on the back of my vitamin packets <laughs> so i respect what mcconnell has done not because i like it but because i'm like well it is a tactical move it's a strategy that has worked and it's been a very red strategy was you know whether it was project red map or, or working the judicial system it wasn't winning every election to control the legislation it was like we know we're not going to win certain elections so what can we do to outlast those positions right we're gonna miss out you know blue wave might be coming well what are we doing 10 years in advance to withstand or withhold our power right our messaging right to transform those legislations either hey we don't have the power to veto the law well it can go up to the supreme court now and we know we have the supreme court so right. if Biden were to win and not like a legislation that gets passed, he could veto it. But then if they if the Republicans do like a certain legislation or they don't like Roe v. Wade, right, mm-hmm. they can pass that up, right? There's already court cases coming up about the ACA, about uh, same-sex marriage, about Roe v. Wade that are ready to be uh, heard by the Supreme Court. And with that in mind, they don't like those legislations. They don't like the way the precedent was upheld. Now they have control of the court and they can get those repealed. And that sets the precedent. Yep. It does. The new and precedent. It, yeah, and that's crazy. Um, something that I thought was really interesting too, Brian, when I was doing this little bit of, not really a deep dive, but I, when I was like falling further down the rabbit hole, um, the Federalist Society. What yeah. do you know about it? Because I don't like They're the it. ones that push these ultra-conservative justices Conservative, up not always necessarily ultra-conservative. Because they chose, they again, they chose Gorsuch, and I don't think he's ultra, ultra conservative. I think he's a very f- firm conservative. Um, I don't think he's like, I would, so I wouldn't put him on the same page as like Thomas. I wouldn't put him no. on the same page as Bork. Well, Thomas, I mean, he might be on the same level as Thomas because they quote unquote are the originalists, right? Okay. Which yeah. is weird for a black man to be an originalist, right? Or, or ACB to claim she's an originalist as a woman, right? Like, how are you an originalist, right? right? You but both I do have just lost your vote, basically, right. if you're an originalist. Right. You're, you're not in this position if you're a true originalist. Right. But I do understand like the idea of originalism is to yeah. stick close to what the framers had in mind. Um, I would say Gorsuch is less conservative than ACB, but she, he is very far right. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. I'm not denying that at all. Um, but this Federalist Society that I was talking about, yeah. So that's what it is. It is. It started as like uh, it actually started. It was started by uh, Bork and um, I don't remember the other guy's name, but it, you know what I mean. It was started as like this, you know, college thing. So Bork was at Yale, I think, and mm-hmm. then the and it was another guy at like I don't know. It's another Sh- uh, Sh- uh, uh, Chicago University. Yeah, it was yep. Scalia, I think. Um, the pro- ooh, that's a good question. It might be. It could be okay. wrong. Could be wrong, but I'm fairly certain on that. Um. But it, it started as like this networking and now it's basically like this, it's like a fucking, like a farm team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're just like getting people ready to go on up the ranks. Um, of the current nine members, Kavanaugh. I think it's like four, four or five. Six. Six, I was off. All six of the conservative justices were recommended by the Federalist Society. Crazy. That, so that's that what creeps I'm saying. me out. That's and like a skull and bones kind of thing. <laughs> 
It's actually very like, like secret society bullshit. And the idea here is, is they have their picks of who the justices are that are very conservative and will promote what they want. And, right. you know, that's what Bork was trying to do all along. He's been a, a conservative strategist since, you know, losing out on that Supreme Court nomination. He's been a, a, a conservative strategist. And one of the things they do is they present the Bushes and Trumps of the world. Like Donald Trump does not pay attention to what's going on in the federal courts. Right. He just doesn't. He was handed a list. He was handed the list. He literally asked them. He, he met with the Federalist Society in 2016. Yes. And they said, here's who we think you should get. And he said, cool. He basically, there was like a whole like story about it in this documentary that I was watching. But yeah. like. He was like, "Okay, cool. Can you have me a list by Thursday? Like, we can have it for you right now." Yeah, Fuck. I mean, they have it. They Fuck, have it man. ready, right? Yeah. They have a roster. Yeah, it's like a, a director picking out the actors he wants for his yeah. main character. Right. Like, oh, I want Ryan Gosling. I want you know, whomever. Yeah. I want these you know five actors, and if I don't get them, then I'll start to consider you know other things. But I have this list, and. That's something McConnell has also been a part of. McConnell and Donald Trump couldn't be further opposites in, in the way they carry themselves, even in their conservatism. Um, Donald Trump isn't a true conservative. He's just pandering to do what he can to maintain his presidency. McConnell is a true conservative through and through. Yeah. He hasn't wavered in the 40 years that he's been in office or whatever. He has he's like Bernie Sanders. The opposite end of Bernie Sanders. That's actually a really good point. Um, yeah, McConnell hasn't wavered and he is set out with this task, which there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like Sun Tzu, like I respect my enemy and McConnell, you know, is an enemy of, of my belief system. And he has brilliantly and strategically manipulated the court system in a way that will benefit his party for long, long term. So let me ask you this. Yeah. Cause sometimes it can be boring. Just talking about the history of the Supreme Court. Are it, are, and we audience, bought, are you bored? If you are, I'm really sorry, but I'm I'm jazzed. I know like, I, I, I I'm too. I, am I get you. Jazzed. Because the, the sorry to digress. No. But please. I used to teach American government with a one of our listeners, Nick A. And he and I used to co teach. And I never well, I always tried to never show my bias, right? There was one instance I can remember where someone asked me about the Electoral College and I said, I don't know. It's an yeah, you said this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> other than that, but the thing I was most excited about was to teach the judicial branch, yeah, the court cases. Well, it's an important And branch. the Bill of Rights. Like yeah. those were my things. Like, yeah. And Nick was- Because those are things like, that should be a solid, you know, solid like a rock, man. That should be the foundation of government. Yeah. And you go back to like Marbury versus Madison, which actually gave the judicial branch power. Like now they have like oversight and it's like, holy shit, like this is so cool. Um, but yeah, so sorry, go ahead. That's okay. So as we move forward in this conversation, yeah. we've talked about it before. Yeah. Supreme Court, that is. Now that we know that Amy Coney Barrett is now she's a judge. In. Yeah, she's confirmed. What's the best thing here? Because obviously we are far off balance. The scales are tipped. Yeah. What? So the big thing now, obviously, we were just talked about this in the last podcast. Biden won't come out and say whether or not he wants to pay right. the courts. Right. He says he wants to put put together this, you know, this committee and yeah. give him 180 days to tell him what to do. Yeah. But what do you think, Brian? Okay. So because so, here's the thing, you're and, and you got to convince me. Okay. Because so, I don't I don't like where the courts are at. I don't yeah. like that it's unbalanced. Yeah. But I don't like the idea of making it larger and larger. Right. 
Because then it becomes a political game, right? Right. And this is the one aspect of politics that it's should also, be political. It's also adding to the budget. Uh, you got to pay those judges, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't care about that, to be honest. I mean, we can find a couple billion. Easy. And that covers more than they, the judge costs. I was going to say, I don't think they get paid that much. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. So <clears throat> what I'm saying is this. One thing that we didn't talk about yet with McConnell is the focus is always on the Supreme Court, right? It's the Supreme Court of the land. It's one of the most honorable positions in this country. And when we look at the Supreme Court, it's making the final rulings on everything. Right. But a lot of things don't ever even get to the Supreme Court. They go to the federal courts. And one thing McConnell has done has been able to absolutely swing <clears throat> the lower levels, the yeah. district appellate courts and the and the I'm sorry, the district courts and the appellate courts. And I was talking with Kevin earlier is one way he was able to do this most recently during the Trump administration leading up to it uh, in 2018 when the Republicans took over the Senate, when it came to federal districts, um, McConnell was just absolutely bypassing everything when it came to Obama's appointees, which left about 100 vacancies that should have been covered but weren't. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Donald Trump likes to brag about how many positions he's filled. Well, the reason being he's filled almost 300 judicial appoint, uh, appointments is because McConnell was able to block about 100 of Obama's, including Merrick Garland. That's the one that gets all the attention, but it's all these other ones. And then since then, one of the precedents was always like, hey, this is a federal district in your state. We'll say California, a blue state. Mm-hmm. The precedent was, whether red or blue, it didn't matter. The two state senators of those districts would be able to confirm, right? right. And you had to get those um, those two senators on board. It was, it was a way to create bipartisanship. Like, hey, listen, I approved the, these blue ones. You need to approve these red ones. Like, we gave you the courtesy. You don't have control of the Senate. We can push these through, but we, we care about how you feel. It is your state. You represent those constituents. Make sure it's fair. McConnell has absolutely, completely disregarded that since Trump has been elected, since they have had control of the Senate and Trump has been you know promoting or appointing these, these justices. So he's been able to appoint uh, federal district justices, like in the ninth district of California, right? He essentially got two conservative justices in there. Why? Well, the Senate controls or the Senate is controlled by the Republicans, so they can easily confirm it. And he just doesn't even ask the two state senators anymore. And it's happened in California. It's happened in Washington. I think even in New York. And it used to be always, whether it was Republicans or Democrats controlled, you needed the two state senators to sign off on it. McConnell has absolutely bypassed that. So it's not just packing the court at the Supreme Court level, the highest level of the courts. It's everywhere in between as well. So that's when we talk about, oh, well, the court has already been packed by the Republicans. They threw precedent into the wind. In 2016, they had Merrick Garland. They didn't even have the hearings. Now, could they have denied the confirmation? Sure. But they didn't even have the hearings. So... I look at that and I say, man, I like Joe Biden's answer of, well, I'm going to have, you know, a commission of, you know, bipartisan, you know, senators and, and, you know, scholars and see what would be the long-term effects. But I don't think that's good enough. 
I hate to politicize the the process. I hate to politicize the judicial branch, but it has gone so far that I'm I'm actually scared for people. I don't want civil rights taken away, and they are going to be. That's fair. We literally just had the Pope, the <clears throat> Pope, support same-sex civil unions. Yeah. And here they are going to say like, oh, well, we don't support gay marriage. I want, oh, so I want a definitive, definitive answer, though. So sure. you think we should pack the courts? I think we should balance the courts. That's how I say it. We should balance the courts. So Brian is saying yes to packing the courts. <laughs> I think we need. I to understand. What, I understand I think, what you're I think saying. It starts. I think it starts more at the district level. Like we I, need, I, I we understand need to that too. Now, yeah. It also depends how the next month goes, where the ACA is under fire. I think right. November we said this. 10th. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if that is all of a sudden like a quick six to three, then yes, we need to rebalance immediately and pack. Um. Two things to that point. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at the Axios ratings for the judges mm-hmm. currently, and it actually has Gorsuch far under Clarence Thomas. It has Brett Kavanaugh it's right more- at the right at the same, like almost the really? same level. Okay, yeah. so you were right. <clears throat> well, I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying like no, it's you were right. Different perspectives. No, no. no, you were right. I was um, wrong. But here's the thing. The reason I always think of Gorsuch as being so far right is the Hobby Lobby. It just stands yeah. out to me so much. Yeah. Who was it that just resigned? The last one to resign. You mean retire? Yeah. Um. Shoot. I have no idea. No one, no it, one has resigned because Ruth I, No, no, I'm just saying the last Ginsburg. person. Yeah. yeah, the last person. There was somebody that resigned like suddenly. Kennedy? Or Reinquist? Uh, might have been Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah. Um. John Roberts actually sits pr- almost pretty centered. Yeah, he's very centered. Um, Which is always nice to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's funny, though, when I'm looking at this, and um, I'm not an expert on the Supreme Court or the judges, for that matter. Um, it's interesting that there is a spread amongst the conservative judges. However, the Democratic judges left, mm-hmm. they're pretty like, you know what I mean? None of them far, fall towards center. Mm-hmm. They're all pretty mm-hmm. left, far, further left than you would expect. I kind of expected to see more right, more far right, which it is really the only person you have there is John Roberts. John Ro- John Roberts. Um, Alito is pretty conservative, but not. Yeah, Alito is a, a little more than center. Roberts, but yeah. I mean, he almost always votes conservatively. Yeah, um, and he always has. He was like very similar to Scalia. Yeah, whereas Thomas is ultra right. I would say Kavanaugh is ultra right, and I personally would have put Gorsuch up right, but that's. I knew he wasn't too far right because I'd go have a beer with him. That's how I judge it usually. Yeah, you can always tell a person is very far one direction because that's why I'm telling you right now, Brian, you're not as far left as you think. Because I'd have a beer with you. <laughs> I'm very far. Left. I mean, I'm currently having a whiskey with you, so yeah. that counts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty far left, and, and here's here's. And actually, and speaking of being far left, not to interrupt you, yeah, no. but I can't. I don't want to let this thought go because yeah. I've been thinking about it. I had to tell uh, my wife about it when I woke up this morning. Oh, because I thought about <laughs> it. Was what made me think about the Supreme Court. I had a dream yeah. that I was, and this is a scary dream. I was, I actually woke up like, and I had to like, I had to like find a way to laugh about it. But I had a dream that I was framed for the murder of my own wife. 
<gasps> and it was fucking Patrick. Dude, it was the worst fucking dream I've had in a long yeah. fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> but in my dream, I thought to myself, I hope my judge is super liberal. <laughs> and and I walk. <laughs> You ever think about that though? Because realistically, you would think you'd want I've, all judges to be liberal. Because the more liberal they are, the, the lesser, the, the less harsh your sentences should be well, theoretically. So, depending on what you did, definitely if it's a drug charge, you're fine. Just fucking go. <laughs> I would hope so. You know, the idea of liberal versus conservative is something that. So growing up, I was a little more conservative than I am now. I yeah, I think we talked about this. Yeah, and. As we continue to go on, and that's why I'm like so so in favor of a liberal Supreme Court. Yeah. Is like what did those the liberal Supreme Courts grant? It was Brown v. Board. It was Miranda versus Arizona, which you know favored. Hey, you have to be read your rights so you know yeah. what they are going yeah. in when you're arrested. Like those are the things that they're generally protecting people. When we look at conservative, you know, courts. It's the Pussy versus Ferguson. It's it's the Hazelwood Kuhlmeyer. It's it's you know, hope, hopefully not, but probably taking down the ACA or you know same sex marriages. Like you wouldn't go, hey, this liberal court is probably going to take down the ACA or or same sex marriage. Like you wouldn't have that thought process. You know, the more we progress the more important it is to be open-minded to things, which is what a liberal justice does. You know, the, the harder we cling on to the, you know, constitution is like, this is our only hope. Well, we need to be moving in a progressive fashion. Like what they did in their time period was very progressive, right? They, yeah. they rebelled against a monarchy. They created a new democracy that had not been seen. Since yeah, they were fucking rebelling before it was cool. Exactly. But we've, we've grown since then. And to simply say, we, you know, think of your own life, you know, your life versus your dad's. Like, he didn't have the internet. Right. Right. So we're continuing to progress technologically, um, healthcare-wise. Like, we progress. And, like, we say, we say like, we, well, we need to be originalist when it comes to the Supreme court, it doesn't make sense to me. Like the- I see the point. Yes. Mm-hmm. The constitution was written. It is a document that we should live by. However, times are changing. I think that it doesn't need to change. I think that times just need to be adapted for. Um, like if you, if you held up the, the electoral college to a founding father mm-hmm. and said, well, California has 55 electoral votes. They'd be like, what's California? Like, see what I mean? Like, they didn't have that intention in mind. They had... That's they a stretch, because when did the Electoral College come into play? Wasn't... No, it was from the get-go. From the get-go. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. So, like, there was no California. There was no 40 million people out there. Millions of people? They didn't have a million people here. I understand. So, like, they didn't... I don't think they would necessarily look at it like that. I think that's kind of a stretch of a thought. Well, no. So, what I'm saying well, is... California? <laughs> well, they, that's what they would say, right? That's literally what they would say. What is a California? Right. But also, like, but then you they, they created the framework. This is a framework. It wasn't supposed to be this, you know... I guess, I, you know, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, it's like it wasn't supposed to be biblical, right? It was supposed to have, that's why they created amendments. Yeah. This process to, hey, we know that changes will need to be made. Right. Go ahead and make them. Here's how you do it. Thanks, Hamilton. 
Exactly. Like we have a bill of rights because it didn't include it. Right. You know, the, the, the seven articles of the constitution laid out what the government had, what right. the government was supposed to do, the checks and balances, the branches, etc. But the bill of rights was for the people and we could continue adding that on. And we, we sit here and we cling to the constitution's framework but we don't recognize like they wanted us to adapt they wanted us to grow i don't disagree that's exactly what i was just saying yeah. it should be a living document is what you mean right but originalists don't treat it like a living document originalists stay it is the constitution it's yeah. like the people that um treat the bible as word for word exactly what it's supposed to be and that's fine that's your that's your the correct whatever yeah. that's your belief system it's word for word it was the earth was created in six days like that's it you know that's what you live by and that's fine but when it comes to the constitution it can't be like that that's not what they even intended what i just thought i would chuck norris joke sorry uh. <laughs> have you ever heard the one on uh, uh what is it like it, it's talking about like that that the whole biblical thing like the world was created you know, like on the seventh day god rested but chuck didn't no he was like yeah but chuck so chuck norris came in and took over or something <laughs> like that <laughs> So we look at like what's going on currently with the Supreme Court and and, and just today, like I, I alluded to earlier in this podcast, we had the Wisconsin ballot issue and essentially a federal judge had said, yes, the ballots need to be counted if they are postmarked before the election day or on the election day, which to me makes sense. The ballot was cast on the election day. What, what does it matter if it was tabulated two days later when it gets received in the mail, right? Because we like instant gratification. Yeah, but that's not what it's supposed to be. And mm, I, I mean, I'm not going to. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's up for interpretation. <clears throat> right. And this justice, you know, had said like, okay, I agree with that, blah, blah, blah. And it moves on. But then it goes up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court hears it. And it's obviously six to three in favor of no. Or six, uh, sorry. Five to three, because ACB wasn't there yet. Right. Um, She's still packing her stuff. Yeah, five to three in favor of repealing that, and it has to be received by election day. Okay. The problem was, is Kavanaugh wrote the majority opinion, and it was so shitty that two of the other justices had to write concurring opinions. Now, there's a majority decision, so the way the majority of the court finds its ruling. Right. Then there's a dissenting opinion. Yes. I think Kagan wrote this one. And the dissenting opinion is the lesser of the judges. I, which love, is, re- I love reading the dissenting opinions. Because that comes back mm-hmm. up, right? The dissenting right. opinion. And it's, just a way, it's, a, it's a way to, to, to be noted. You know what I mean? Like, I want it to be noted that I'm just saying I disagree with this and here's why. Well, and the dissenting opinion comes up again. It gets recited. And that's why the majority and dissenting and concurring right. opinions are all very important. The dissenting opinion in Plessy versus Ferguson comes back up in Linda in, in uh, Brown v. Board of Education 1954. So we have this element of dissenting majority and concurring opinions get recited. They set precedent, both the winning and the losing side. They, they, they have this in, tremendous impact on history. Kavanaugh's opinion was so terribly written, it is contradictory in nature, that Roberts had to write one, and I think... Someone else did. It wasn't Thomas. It was, it was Gorsuch. Gorsuch. It was Gorsuch, Gorsuch and, and Roberts. 
both wrote concurring opinions because Kavanaugh's was so poorly written. And I know there was a whole hubbubaloo or whatever about hullabaloo, hullabaloo about the alleged sexual assault. And that's a he said, she said, and yes, personally, I agreed with, with the female. But the idea that Kavanaugh was also inept, like he was not a good justice. He, he wasn't very eloquent. He wasn't composed. He, you know, in terms of his rulings, he didn't really have a lot of fundamental um, information to give. He didn't, he didn't know how to back up his, his prior rulings very well. And now he's writing majority opinions that are going to be echoed throughout eternity of American, right. of the American judicial system. And we saw it here where I disagree with the whole f- findings, but like I under, I respected Gorsuch and I respected Roberts. They had their findings, but they communicated them eloquently. And you don't have to be a wordsmith per se, but you can't be citing, you know, uh, Bush v. Gore and right. like this federal overreach and, and, you know, the Supreme Court should be able to overrule every state, you know, Supreme Court and all this. There's an element that he just didn't understand that the other two justices had to write concurring opinions so that couldn't easily be overturned because the precedent was so poorly right. written. Right. <clears throat> <sighs> this is McConnell's legacy. Yeah, this is the thing. For sure. Is like, and this can live on for a long time. He has this conservative court that will do his bidding, but like they're not even necessarily the best justices. Like ACB, you know, well, Ms. Well, Ms. Well, we're Bick, still, we're still yet to see. No, no, no. She but, hasn't had time. No, no, no. But what I'm going to say is okay. she hasn't had a lot of judicial experience. Right. So there was very little to base off of. Right. Yeah. These aren't people that have served for 15 years. Right. As a, as a, Maybe we know. should change things. Maybe they should have to have a certain amount of experience. Well, I think, I think a, a very interesting um, proposal is the idea of yes, it's presidential appointments and a confirmation, but there are term limits of 18 years. And I think that is a substantial time period to have major influence over. I feel like I would want to retire after 18 years of doing anything, any government work. Well, and if you do a good job, I mean, then it doesn't matter because then you can get a second 18 years. But, but here you wouldn't. You can only serve one term. Oh, okay. And the idea here is like, listen, I was a big Ruth Bader Ginsburg fan, but she was participating on the Supreme Court and still actively participating, but she was not going to retire, right? right? She was going to hold on to her dying day until another justice was appointed by to, to kind of make the, the Supreme Court more balanced. And, and bless her for it. That was incredible the mm-hmm. way she hung on. I mean, she fought pancreatic cancer at one point. Like, no right. one can do that. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg can. It's it spoke to the hero that she was, but it shouldn't have to be like that. It shouldn't be where people have to hold on to a position just because of how terribly left or right. Well, and that's why, and that's why I was I was I was somewhat joking, but also somewhat serious when I was talking earlier to Brian today, saying that there should be a different system for electing judges. Mm-hmm. I think that it should have something to do with the people. You know what I mean? Well, I think it could be nominated by the, the, the president, but like you get a couple of choices or nominated by Congress. Here's your list for the year. But here's the thing. And this is when people argue term limits for yeah. senators and, yeah. and, and um, Congress people. In the, in right, the right, right. Yeah. Yeah. We are the term limit. Like, I hate the idea that 
oh, well, senators can only have three terms, 18 years or something like that. Well, why? We're supposed to vote them out. If they're doing a great job, keep them in. But if they're doing a piss poor mm-hmm. job, big vote FDR them out. guy, huh? <laughs> well, no. Like, think about it this way: like, I'm not because they of... spend so much time campaigning when they should be passing bills. Well, and that's the thing: like Pelosi and Schumer, right? I'm not fans of them. Yeah. I'm not in their district, so I can't vote against them. Right. And not not that I would jump to like, oh, the first candidate that goes against them. It's like, well, they still have to be a good candidate. Right. But we're supposed to be the term limits. We, the people, we have to give a shit about voting. Well, yeah, because, I mean, like, when we see what's going on right now in Congress where it's like, okay, cool, we've got our judge through. Now we're going to take a fucking break. And I told you about this before when we were talking about the stimulus check. And I was enraged when I saw that they were taking their, they're taking their, what do they call it? They don't call it a vacation. The recess for the year. Yeah, the recess for the year. Fuck you, man. Where's, you know, you got a bunch of fucking people that are in dire straits right now. Why can't you fucking finish the check thing out? Well, and, and give us our stimulus checks. That's all I'm saying. So, so to go back to McConnell, right? Yeah. He only cares about his legacy of the courts. I understand. And, and the idea that he had those senators on both committee and um, the full Senate, at least the Republican Party, um, he had them all working through the weekend to ensure that the vote would right. be had for confirmation and that right. she would be appointed. She got confirmed on Monday. Yeah. She was sworn in Monday night. Yep. That process happened so fast. And in the meantime, now November 9th is when they, they take their recess. So we know that we will not have a stimulus check or we know that small businesses won't be bailed out. We know that corporations are going to face very difficult dire straits. Like you said, people are going to struggle. The more like, People are not going to afford their mortgages, their rents. They're going to be evicted. They're not going to have unemployment benefits that cover the cost of their of their living expenses. This is a very big issue. And McConnell needs to be held responsible. Yes, you have your conservative, your conservative courts. Now let's get back to work that actually helps the people. He, he doesn't give a shit about the people. And this is when we were talking last week and we got heated. Or, well, I got heated. About corruption. I was pretty level-headed. Yeah, you're always level-headed. <laughs> when we were talking about corruption, this is the corruption of the right. And this is what I'm okay. talking this about. This is the corruption of government. No, because one side is bringing the HEROES oh, Act. Oh, Brian, I know. The HEROES Let's Act is sitting Let's on McConnell's I know. desk. I know. So. I know. It's it's unacceptable. And it, it infuriates me because. How about like, this is the corruption of McConnell? Let's go there. Let's narrow this down. Brian. Well, none of the other Republicans are speaking out against McConnell. Yeah. Not even Romney, who had been kind of this figure of like, I'm going to do what's right. McCain, you know, with the thumbs down. And then McConnell said, oh, we need to hear these impeachment hearings. We need to. Yeah. So we thought he was going to be a voice of reason, but, you know. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, dude. Where are we at? Mm, 47 minutes. Golly. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Such a peaceful ending to your tirade. I well, I, I, I get I get worked up because I know the audience listening. Like I care about every single one of you, and I understand some of you might disagree with Kevin. Some of you might disagree with me. It doesn't matter. I care about you, and this shit that happens matters. And I hope you take everything very seriously because it impacts your everyday life and those around you. Boom. Roasted. 
Well, thank you guys. We appreciate your listening to this week. Yeah, spread the word. Well, three, really. So, yeah, please continue to spread the word. Check us out on uh, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, we're going to Instagram my wife's pumpkin. Oh, yeah, she made a pumpkin. It's got our Mad Mad Lives um, picture on it. I also just Instagrammed our our table setup for the evening. (laughs) Minus all the snacks. Brian and I love snacks. Oh, yeah, we're They're the best. We're we're (laughs) snickety snacks. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed. We are now going to finish our first glass of whiskey and perhaps have another. You guys, thank you so much for listening. We will see you again. Well, really, we'll see you again on Sunday. Yeah. Because when you listen to this, it'll be Friday. That's yeah. so weird. Look yeah. at us fucking going ap- ahead episode, dude. Hey, man. Give it's... people three in one week. Hey, give the people what they want. Give the people what mm. they want. And you didn't get singing from Brian in the beginning, but you got it at the end. Thank you guys again. <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. It's Kevin. And Brian. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Mad Libs podcast. We really appreciate you guys' uh, time. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on all of our social media. That includes Mad Libs Podcast on Instagram, Mad Libs Podcast on Facebook. And feel free to email us with any comments or questions at madlibspod at gmail.com. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate you listening.